celebrating success, learning from legends, and growing poppies. This is Talk Poppy Talk with Grace Lewis. Good morning. How are you, Grace? <laughs> I'm well. How are you doing? Good. How's that audio in the background? That's good. Are we okay? Yeah, no, cool. I've got the black ferns behind me in the gym this morning, so they're uh, got the t- tunes pumping. That is so epic and so on brand. Oh, you can can you see them? Yeah. There we go. <laughs> so they're they're down in the gym over there, and we've uh, hurricanes have just left the indoor field, so they were out there earlier this morning. I mean, we're going to talk about it, but that is insane. Kia ora and welcome to Tall Poppy Talk. Jamie is an absolute expert in high performance. His current role is Director General Manager of the Performance Institute at the New Zealand Campus of Innovation and Sport, but also so many other things with experience across the board from over 14 years with New Zealand Rugby, as Head of Athletic Performance and Strength and Conditioning with the Black Ferns, as the Director of Coaching at Accelerate Training, uh, Sports Training for 23 years and Counting, and so many other roles, whether that's Sports Performance Director at VX Sport or just being a legendary Strength and Conditioning Coach. You've worked with refs, players, and up-and-comers, not just in rugby, but all over the board, and you give back and many ways beyond coaching uh one being your freelancing work with we are monarchy the free support network uplifting the mana of small new zealand businesses jamie it's been said before you are a game changer a sport developer for the individual and the greater systems and it is an absolute pleasure to welcome you to tall poppy talk where and how are you today good grace uh look thanks so much mate very kind of you um yeah, it's it's been a been a journey, that's for sure. Um, it's pretty pretty cool to see where we are today. I was just talking to you before we started about the black ferns over my left shoulder and the hurricanes previously in front of me here. It's uh it's pretty cool feeling that energy and buzz and and certainly along the along the twenty odd years of being involved in sport, it's it's uh had its its peaks and troughs, and I'm sure we'll cover a few of those today. So yeah, thanks so much for having me along. Oh, absolutely wicked. Thank you. And I'm beaming for those who are listening. Just super, super grateful to be speaking to you. Now, you certainly wear many hats. Um, could you please outline for us each of those hats? Yeah, the reason I wear a hat, mate, is it's been quite stressful in this project. So uh, covering the, the scalp. But, um, you know, I, I tend to have a, I guess, an attitude that you bite off more than you can chew and just chew faster. And um, over the course of the the time I, I think I, I probably have spread my myself a bit thin over over the years and there's probably been two uh intersections in my life where I've worked that out for myself and had to sort of um take a step back and refine things again and reset and try and wear less hats but it's something that I, I do get a real buzz out of and that's um herding cats um I don't mind a bit of creative chaos or creating chaos and managing it I've got lots of analogies but um yeah I, I do like and throw another one. I do like spinning plates. I do like a lot of things going on at once. It keeps me interested. Um, what it's also taught me though is to make sure we've got lots of people on the waka, lots of people around you that fill in the other seats and do things that you don't want to do or you're not good at or people are just better at. Um, and there's probably no better example at the moment. Of, we've got people like Malcolm Gillies and Kevin Melville in the background who I won't call them investors because they are very invested in making sure that NZCIS works. And then they've got me sort of acting as that conduit between their vision and our teams. And then uh, recently, my wife, Tony McGregor-Tout, has come on board as our operations manager. 
And Tony loves detail. She loves paperwork. And I love detail, but I don't like paperwork. <laughs> so, so that's one of my blind spots. So yeah, I wear many hats, but um, it's really important that we've got other people out there that are uh, helping fill in the blind spots. Oh, thank you. I love that. First of all, I had to write down just you're chewing faster if you bite off more than you can chew. But what I love, and it feeds right into the next question, is when you're talking about the level you're at and like how much you're getting done, the waka, everyone else is involved in it. And I think often with high performers, like we might look at Elisa Carrington and think she's done that all on her own and she's done a heck of a lot, obviously, but there's probably a lot that's, you know, a lot going into it that we don't see. So how do you define high performance? How do I define high performance? Well, I'm just multitasking, just sending a quick email that uh, FIFA have arrived, so I've got that sorted. Uh, you can go if you need nah, to we're good. do that. We are, we, are, we are good. Someone else is managing that. <laughs> so um, high performance. Look, I think we, we associate high performance with whatever industry you're in. And in, I mean, I've been obviously involved in sport, but what high performance has shown me is the Gillies group who have built this uh, from the ground up, this project here, they're high performance as well in construction. So it's not it's not about sport. Uh, it's not about any one particular industry. It's about what we do to be uh, the best. We're not handing out participation certificates in high performance. It's it's a completely different animal. So on Saturdays when I'm coaching my under nines, that's different. That's um that is about getting game experience. It is about enjoyment. That is about creating good connections and life experiences and keeping people involved in the game. Whereas high performance, it is your job. It, it, it is about winning. And there's no, you can't shy away from that. There's no reason to be uh, not proud of the fact you're out there to win and, and you're wanting to be better. So I think you can define high performance in any way you like, but it's, it's not exclusive to sport. And it's about being uh, both a leader and an innovator, uh, a game developer uh, and a game changer. But it's not about participation. <laughs> it, it certainly is all those other things. Oh, wow. And what's it like for you going between uh, yeah, the, your under nines on the weekend to hurricanes and black ferns at work? Is it hard for you to transition that high performance mindset? Uh, you know what? Um, some of the games that we play with the black ferns or uh, when we've been with other high performance teams, whether it's the All Blacks or, or others, there is still a, a, a grounding factor and that's fun. Like it's, People will want to do things more often. They find it fun. Yeah. And one of the core principles in my training has always been, how do we create frequency? Well, you make, you, you gamify it. You, you do have fun with the under nines. You have fun with the black ferns. They laugh, they sing. They want to do it again. Uh, probably the thing that changes when you get to high performance and with the elite teams is when you make something about, uh, or you gamify something and make it about um, simulated gaming situations, they compete against each other, so they try harder, and the intensity goes up. So when the Blackburns and All Blacks have a gamified situation, they want to beat their mates, they want to win, and the intensity, they just, they just try a hell of a lot harder. In a kid's environment, when you gamify something, they just really enjoy it and want to do it again. They don't even know they're learning. It's sort of learning by stealth. And they, they run around and they laugh. And let's be honest, they do keep scorecards, but they need to learn how to win with grace and gratitude and how to lose with grace and gratitude. So there, there is a balance, really there is a balance between learning how to win and lose and not keeping score. Yeah, and respecting and kind of understanding if you do lose, maybe what the other people were doing to win and like learning from that, your competitors as well. Um, yep. 
and I, and I think everyone knows that without the Blackburns, as an example, being beaten in 2017 by England in Rotorua here in New Zealand, they very likely wouldn't have been so successful in the 2017 World Cup. Equally, had the 2021 campaign in, uh, in Europe, England and France not gone the way it had, it might not have been the wake-up call, uh, the, the refocus, the reshuffling and everything else to be so successful last year. And it's we, we do learn more from losing than winning. That's unfortunately the nature of what it is. And you can become... Uh, you can become complacent, if you like, when we have satisfaction. So satisfaction often leads to lack of productivity. So if, if you were the person on a conveyor belt and you, your job was simply to check water bottles were full and you were sat on that conveyor belt watching the water bottles go past you, if you were getting paid $1,000 a week to do that, I guarantee you, you wouldn't care how many bottles you checked or whether they'll fall over time or not. Over time, you just sort of sit there and you'd go and take a smoker or you wouldn't pay attention. But if you got paid per bottle and you actually got paid more, if the bottles were full and the caps were on properly, guarantee you'd check more bottles and you'd check them accurately. So productivity and satisfaction have got a really strong correlation. And that's what we have to keep being. That's why the All Blacks have been good and the Crusaders and the Chicago Bulls when they were amazing is because they always were looking to become more, product more productive. How do we become better? And it's, it's the other six days of the week other than game day that you look for those opportunities. Oh, epic. That's actually another thing you've obviously done a lot with is like the sports science, the technology and that integration of it all. Um, and one of the articles I read of you, you see we've seen an evolution of the player and there's so much data being generated from trainings as well as game day. Um, how, how should people incorporate metrics without letting the stats overwhelm their training and coaching yeah awesome okay another analogy then it's uh statistics are a bit bit like and i'm stealing this from a cricket commentator so i think it was ravi shastri don't don't quote me but i think it was uh, he said that statistics are a bit like um a drunk man in a light post so they should be used for support to hold you upright rather than show you the way home so you, you can't you can't lean on it as sorry you can lean on it to try and hold you up, but it shouldn't show you the direction that you have to go in. Sorry. So it's the other way around. So yeah. it's, it's, it's part of the story. It's not the full story. And it's a bit like if you sat in a coaching box when Steve Hansen was coaching the All Blacks and you said to him, look, Richie McCaw is redlining. We, not, we need to get him off. His heart rate's too, too high. He's running too far. End of the day, I'm pretty confident Steve Hansen would have said, no, no, he is our best player still. He needs to be on the field for other qualities like leadership, game awareness, experience. So tech does play a part around statistics and it does inform us. There's a massive conversation going on again around player workload, resting all blacks and, and different people around how we keep them fresher. But the appropriate use of technology is the key. It's not just a blanket agreement that technology is going to make us bigger, faster, stronger. It's understanding which technologies can do that and, and using them in, in the right way. So when you're so immersed with the tsunami of data that's out there, you've got um, a million data points per 90 minutes per athlete coming off the back of those little wearable sensors in the back of an athlete these days. Heart rates, um, leg forces, collisions, speed, accelerations, distance traveled. There is an absolute plethora of information that you could actually get your eyes on. You'd drive yourself absolutely mad if you tried to look at each of those statistics. 
So you need to find the ones that are relevant to you, uh, whether it's three, four, five or six numbers that can inform conversations with coaches and athletes that they can resonate with and learn from as well. And it's still a working skill of mine is to work out how do we create those connections with, an, with a coach or an athlete that it makes it meaningful. How do we say that we want to improve the number of accelerations in games because it's got a high correlation to a physical criteria like becoming uh, improving top speed or uh, creating more line breaks or how do we draw it back to the game? And so creating those meaningful connections with coaches and players around how they get better, how it complements them technically, tactically, that's meaningful data. You've got the other side of information that's interesting data. So it's not insightful. It's not going to change your high performance, but it's interesting. It's interesting how much time, how many times the blood flows around the body in a game, or it's interesting that you're not as fast as Usain Bolt, but it's actually not going to change winning and losing on the day. So separating out what's interesting versus insightful is really important. But yeah, look, I, I love tech. I love the integration of tech. I am a, a tech talking, sports speaking uh, nerd of sorts, but uh, it, it shouldn't distract from the the core principles about why an athlete's picked, and that is, can they perform their core roles? Um, they still need to run, pass, catch, kick, scrummage, and yeah, data helps us uh, inform those decisions, and it can make us better. But fundamentally, when you're sitting in a selection meeting, they're still going to say, can they play? Okay, you're taking this data, just like with everything, there's there's the tangibles and the intangibles. I really liked what you said, what's insightful and what's interesting, because I think everyone can apply that, not just in sport. But to get to where you're at right now, and I'm seeing all the action behind you too, is when you are envisioning and planning like the optimal environment for sporting success, much like um what the, N, the NZSIS that you're in, what are some of those core fundamentals? Yeah, I think it goes, uh, it probably goes a little bit deeper um, before we even start talking about what the fundamentals of, of the facility is, is actually understanding our core values and who we, who we want to be like, how do we want to be seen by others. And uh, Billy Graham, uh, you may or may not know Billy, he is a boxing coach from down the road here in Nainai. Um, over the years, I've taken the pulse out to him and the Firebirds have gone down for boxing sessions and Billy's just a character. He's just a good human. And in the front of Billy's boxing gym down there in Nainai, he's got these massive big one-ton blocks of granite that all the heavyweight boxing champions have been etched into. And they've never been graffitied. They don't get touched or move around. And it sort of was a, a watershed moment looking at those going, well, why? Why don't people mess with Billy? It's because Billy's not just changed lives. He saves lives and people relate to him and they feel like they're part of what he's trying to do. They feel connected. And so that was really important to us when we started looking at at this um, at this facility is how do we create that connection with the Black Fern or the Hurricane or the Phoenix player that walks through the door? Is there not just a Phoenix or a Hurricanes player? And whilst that's super important that they've got that connection to their team and to their mates, but also how do we connect them to this facility? So we wanted to try and create uh, a legacy piece here working with athletes that we want to be seen to be like uh, and also develop some cool messaging or symbols in the place that people could walk around the outside and go, yeah, I want to be part of that. So the ways that we've done that is uh, we've worked with athletes like Laura Langman and we asked Laura to pick a picture of a moment in time in her career 
that she wanted to be remembered by. And Laura is hardworking. She's humble. Uh, just values that we want to be seen. Other people from the outside looking in is we, we want to be like Laura. We want to be like Bond and Murray. We want to be the fact that they were so successful over such a long period of time, but they kept always looking for that extra edge. We want to be like Precious McKenzie, who overcome adversity when he had a, a pretty harsh upbringing. Um, he was four foot nothing. He won uh, medals for uh, New Zealand and uh, in England at Commonwealth Games. And he's just a super good, genuine human, 86 years of age, just a gentleman. And so we've got murals of those athletes around the place here now where people can go out and just reflect on, on not just all the new digital technologies around the place that it's about the here and now, but where we've come from. And the final piece of trying to identify who we are, and I'm not sure if you'll be able to see these. I'll flip you around and have a quick look if you can. Uh, but over at that end of the, the place up there, you might be able to see, I'm not sure if you can or not, there's some big waka paddles on the walls. Oh, if uh, Those waka paddles are, are basically um, an evolution of an idea that Luke Crawford, the Kaimatua at New Zealand Rugby, he walked into the big indoor field in 2021, just after we got back on site. And he said, Eha, this is a big waka shed. So that's great. We want people on the waka. We want people on the bus. Um, and it started to evolve the ideas of what those, those paddles meant. And the paddles now are something that we all reflect on here at the campus and uh, the athletes as well, is that they're our core values. The paddle on the right is about our, our growth. And there's multiple corridors on that paddle that say not just your growth on the field, but your growth uh, at home, at other places in your work, with your whanau, everything else that is important to you that helps us be who we are. The paddle on the left is about our connection to our people and our environment. And it recognises on that paddle light and dark triangles at the top of it because it's not all about social media and what's good. There are times in our lives that we reach those junctures I talked about earlier that we've done it tough. We need to make better decisions. We need to change things for who we are. and Often that's back to our families. And that paddle is also at rest. And then the paddle in the middle is our mangapati. That's our hammerhead shark and might not be the prettiest fish, but he gets shit done and he finds a way. And he's always going forward. And that's that tenacious resilience that we love about people when they cross over the chalk and they want to go to go to action. And that's why that paddle is facing down. And so those ideas about celebrating our legacy, creating those connections, as much as we've had all that flash technology and we've got all the, the cool spaces and everything like that, it's not, it's not just about that. It has to be about that connection. And I know that Tony Philp at the Hurricanes talks a lot about it, about how do we create connections and feeling like this is your space, you feel welcome. And it was really rewarding the first time the Black Ferns walked through that door since they were such a massive part of this facility design and getting feedback over the years around what works, what doesn't, how they feel, getting rid of urinals, uh, all that sort of stuff. Uh, when they walked through and they had the black ferns up on those big screens, they walked in and go, this feels like our home. That's, that's what we want. And so I, I think when you talk about tangible and intangible outcomes, some of that stuff you don't see straight away, but you feel it. And you, and, you, and you feel like you're connected for those reasons. That's um, beautiful. That, and just what you've said too, the detailings that have gone into this campus, because at the end of the day, that is what 
wins championships that's what wins medals is the mana and like that feeling of a willpower beyond anything else that the athletes get because they they don't think they're just doing it for themselves they're doing it for the waka as you've described that's um yeah yeah, I think that's that's beautiful I I can't wait to see it one day (laughs) because you you talk too about like uh Hamish and Eric I rode on the Karapero and whenever you'd see them it's like those are world actually those are top of the world class and I'm seeing them like I'm rowing along and I get to be next to that like I just imagine inside the building the campus is just this uh, this desire to level up because you're surrounded by excellence Um, yeah that's the head 100% grace it's you just walk a little bit taller and the energy is there and pretty cool that when you've got a 17-year-old uh, women's Phoenix player whose first year of their professional career sitting alongside an Adi Savia or uh, Kriffi Duplessis or TJ Padanara, those sort of guys, and that they're just sharing, learning. Uh, the the All Black is enjoying it because it's a freshness for them. They're giving back. Um, they're just an exchange of ideas. And you're not bubbled, but you've got people on the, on the bike next to you or the rower or lifting weights who have got uh, a similar agenda or a reason for, for being in that seat at the same time as you are. And the, uh, David Ball was sitting in this office yesterday talking about what he, what he wants to do after sport. And it was just awesome to hear when he talks about how much of his, he's enjoyed the year, moving away from Martin Lucky Park where they didn't have interactions day to day with other people. And you can very easily become detached from what else is going on or who your, your, your circle of friends are, or it's not, it's not turning your back on how tight knit your team has to be, but it's also reflecting on the fact that there's other people going through similar challenges or, or whatever. And another really cool example we saw this year is when Clayton Lewis was injured and TJ Pettinara was injured. They were both down in that gym. You could see them talking about that experience and the gym was otherwise empty. Whereas if it was just TJ or just Clayton and his mates were all out on that field separately you can actually get yourself a bit down and you think, well, for me, I really want to be playing again. But at the same time, you've got another person right next to you who's going through something similar and they're bouncing off each other. other they're sharing that they're, they're actually following each other's successes as well. And a couple of the, the guys have already said, well, look, we didn't take as much interest in the Canes or in the Phoenixes as we do now. So all of a sudden you've got a whole bunch more supporters sitting in the stands or supporting you or whatever it might be. And that, and that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. And it's the whole thing about identity, right? Like if you are only training with the Canes and they're in their own isolated facility and they're not performing well, then you're fully identifying with that. So I imagine it's that ability to, um, yeah, just expand and sort of see what's happening with other things. And, Right. I remember that that quote formally now, and it was more about um, the light post. Too many people use it to support and hold up hold up your argument rather than being illuminating and insightful. So yeah, yeah. don't use dark just to support your position. Use it to share ideas and show you the way, rather than sort of base everything on it. Because, like I say, data should be used as a element or a piece in your jigsaw. It shouldn't be the jigsaw. <laughs> well said um yeah. now the question i have which i ask everyone is what is tall poppy syndrome and have you experienced that or seen it occur 
you know, when I saw those questions, this is the one that probably stumped me and I don't often get short for words. Uh, <laughs> look, I, I don't know whether we have a tall poppy syndrome or whether or not, and excuse me, I'm not probably going to give you a direct answer, but um, in New Zealand, we are only one or two degrees away from feeling like we know people or understanding their situation or what you see uh, on the TV. We maybe haven't got that context or connection with people. So we do feel like we can either criticize or, or otherwise. Um, in another way, I do find that particularly recently, we've got a more empathetic ear with and sharing of ideas of people who have either not been doing so well, done it tough and feel more enabled these days to actually share and, and feel vulnerable and actually say that, look, I, I have struggled. And I think that's probably helping maybe get rid of that tall poppy syndrome because it's normalized and people don't just see that just because you're a superstar driving a good car and on TV on the weekends that you still do have your own struggles. You have your, you have your own things that you've got your other shit going on. So I, I the, the tall poppy syndrome, I think, yeah, it, it's not, not going to exist everywhere because it, it does. There's always going to be people who think they could have been a black fern or could have been an all black and there'll be every reason under the sun why they haven't done it. But the reality is there's people that have done it and they've made a lot of sacrifices and don't get them wrong that sacrifices come with penalties with other areas of your life, whether it's pursuing a career or having a starting a family and all those other things that you just don't see. You see the pretty picture on Instagram where they've just scored a try and won a World Cup, but you don't see the early mornings or the fact they're away from family. Um, and quite honestly, that was one of the reasons being away from family that I, and this project here just got too big, that I, I moved away from being with uh, a team on the road to the point that I got told I couldn't hold a New Zealand passport because I'm not in the country long enough um, in a five-year period to qualify. <laughs> so so um, th those when that happens, you sort of think and go, yep, that's that's pretty um, – that's a bit sobering, actually. You probably should start and take a bit of a stock check around <laughs> what, what you really want to be defined and what you want to do. So I know I've danced around your question. Is there a tall poppy syndrome? Yeah, there probably is. But I think in recent times where with the ability to share more openly, be vulnerable – having more of an appreciation around where people are at, I, I think there's um, yeah, a greater appreciation for yeah, people have their own shit going on. But hey, you call me out and challenge me. If you have other if you want other other perspectives on that answer, that's all good too. No, thank you for sharing that. And exactly as you said, people are um, vulnerable, just transparent and like I think often yeah, people think, oh, it's all poppy. But what I found with every one of us, and it's interesting because you're, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking, oh, you kind of align with what Ken Lynch, Rod Corbin, other sports, they're in like the, um, like the psychology part of it of, no, there's been a massive trend and we are sharing more. And yeah, of course, there's going to be the naysayers or the haters or whatever, but there always was like that, that's going to be there anyway. So I appreciate I very much appreciate your interpretation and most people do dance around it. Oh, look, context changes over time too. Like when you, it's, it's about when people criticize, often it's what they're used to, what they understand. It's their comfort zone. I, I hand on heart when I was at university, I was a league fan through and through, didn't think rugby was worth a pinch of salt, didn't understand it, happy to criticize, kick too often. It slows, the game's so slow. 
and then come to New Zealand where rugby league was a dirty word, so to speak, and got immersed in rugby and whole new appreciation and better myself in it. Love league, love rugby now, but I understand it. And I think maybe that's the key point. It's when you actually understand an issue or a person or a sport and you've got context, you maybe think before you speak and the, the whole tall poppy thing, it's not going to go away. You're still going to have people that are happy to be behind a keyboard and criticise. But I think we're also seeing a, a period in our, a period in time where people are actually challenging that a little bit more. And uh, what's the, what's the saying? Um, it's a, it's a movie from a, it's a saying from a movie. They talk about assumption being the mother of all mistakes, I'll say rather than swear. But yeah, it, it, rather than rather than sort of assuming, go and find the facts. And I think with with context, maybe we won't have that amount of tall poppy we do now. Yeah, my mum always said, um, if you assume, you make an ass out of you and me, and that's how it's spelled. Yeah. So that um, yeah, I, I, she's always said that since I was since I was little. But uh, you touched upon it briefly in there too. You're talking about teams versus individuals, and a question I'd sent here is what are the main differences in your approach when you're developing oh, yeah. capabilities for a single person versus like an entire team or even system? Yeah. Um, doing less things more is probably going to define my answer here. Now, what I mean by that is when you are one-on-one -on -one with a player, you've probably got a more, you got more, more ability to compromise you got more ability to understand the individual, know their, the names of their sons and their daughters and their mums and their dads and get to know them around what's going on. Unfortunately, like it or not, in a team environment, you don't get that same level of understanding immediately. It's harder to do. Um, and by nature, there's going to be clicks of people formed that just generally get on better. And we do have to make compromises, but it's probably it's not as easy to find that, that level of where everyone's going to be happy. And for that reason, when everyone's not happy, you, you are going to find that brothers and sisters fight. And sometimes you can manage one or two of those in the team, but if you get three or four, it becomes really problematic and difficult to do. So I think the the man management in teams environment is, is potentially a little bit harder and throwing support staff at it doesn't always work because you're introducing more lines of communication, more different personalities, more expectations. And... 100% I've been called out as well over time is when people don't know your role or don't clearly understand um, uh, the communication pathway is going to be different for certain types of individuals. Some people like texting, some people like talking, some people like the written word. But if you don't have context and communication right, they're two big things that can bring down teams. When you're working with individuals, you probably get to those points faster because you've just got, you've got time. And one of the evolutions of women's rugby particularly is that 2013, I think we had seven support staff. No one was full-time. Two coaches were both high school principals and you wore, you wore a lot of hats. 2022 Women's World Cup, I think it was sitting about 2021 support staff with clearly defined roles. In between then and 2013, there was a lot go on where support staff were introduced. We didn't probably have clearly defined roles. People were still juggling lots of things. There was part-time, there was full-time. And through lack of clarity in roles and communication, it can create some pain points. I guess with individual sports as well, 
and there, there's an element of, and you have to be, selfishness where it's just about you um, on the chalk, over the other side of the chalk. It's not about your teammates and how they're feeling or what do they need. It is just about you. So the mindset is different around, around how you're going to build relationships with them and connect and what they need because what they need is for them to be successful and not necessarily the team. Yeah, it's like um, it's momentum. That's kind of how I view it, right? Is if you're in a team and the momentum's positive and there's a lot of people who are contributing positively, it's going to generate more and more of that. But in the same, the other way, if you've got a few negative tones coming through, it's going to like seep out. But that's why, you know, people are attracted towards individual sports or team sports. I loved single skulls because it was 100% me, win or lose. Yeah. And the variables were immediately changed. And then when I went to bigger boats, I was like, oh, I can't control everything. But then you get those positives of, oh, but when I'm when I'm maybe feeling less, they can pull me up. So there's, yeah, you're probably constantly juggling and it's good to hear more support staff just means things don't go unmissed or things are more likely to be picked up because you're not, you know, um, spread as thin. Um, all right. What do you enjoy the most in your work? Uh I like, I like, to be fair, I do like creating a little bit of chaos, but creating and controlling chaos is cool. It does, it does give me the dynamic part of my day-to-day role. That's awesome. And I, you know, I have loved um, since 2016, 17, when I first got brought into this project by Mal and Kev, that I, it's a whole new skill set, uh, understanding language about construction and turf and stuff. I never thought I'd have to know in my life. Uh, that's actually been really stimulating and seeing you talked about high performance initially, just seeing how good people are in designing a sports field, laying turf. That's that's really exciting. I actually really enjoy that and seeing how, how they bring that level of high performance into a completely different aspect. I do like wearing a lot of hats still. Like even though it's, I'm, I'm here every day now at the campus pretty much, I do love it so different. I do love seeing how the Phoenix, the Hurricanes, Wellington Rugby, men and women all function slightly differently. And, but they all, how is it? It's like what goes on your toast. Is it Vegemite? Is it Marmite? They can eat them both, but people just have a preference. And it's, it, I like actually sort of understanding that. Like, why do you like the Vegemite better? Like, how do you get to that point that you've made that decision? And challenging them to sometimes put jam on it as well, because otherwise you just get used to what you've always done. And I think seeing teams now enjoy this environment and, they, and the way they're using it, some of it's 100% in line with what you're thinking and some of it's like, shit, I didn't think about that. That's actually really cool. And so probably my nature in the past is since I do like that chaotic sort of part, I'm also very, and probably don't like admitting it, but I do like a system and a process. I like sort of knowing that you do these things and that's going to happen, but I like doing it at about five things at the same time. <laughs> So when I when you sort of watch people how they do it, you're like, no, I wouldn't have done that. But that's okay because that's how they do it and they're successful in how they do it. So it's, that that's really good for my own growth as well as seeing that things can be done differently. Um, and I'm really fortunate that you've got guys like Mel and Kev that are so supportive on the waka with you that they're already thinking about, well, what's next and how do we make this work? And the diversity of what's being achieved here is is just really inspiring from that point of view that they've got the the gumption to, to back it up. And then um, days like this, when you've got so many teams around and, and they're just all buzzing and hissing and learning off each other is, is really, really cool. 
you're if you're representing what this campus is giving everyone needs to go there and that's why FIFA wants to be there as well um thank you I have one question I didn't send yet which is yep. <laughs> it's a silly sign-off question if you <laughs> had to have just one meal for the rest of your life you could only eat one thing what's it going to be I asked my kids this the other day um I think there's a work I, I think there's a workaround um you go burgers because then you can still fill your burger up with whatever you like and have your bread, your carbs, your proteins. Burgers are really diverse. You can put anything on a burger. <laughs> um, um, I think one of my sons said pizza. I can't remember the other, what did the other boy say. It wasn't chicken nuggets, but it was something a lot more basic. And I had to convince him that it probably wasn't the best choice. But yeah, I, I'm going to go burgers because you can cheat. I love that you already thought about that the other day. That's brilliant. Um, I know you've got yeah. FIFA there. Um, you've got it all happening. Jamie, seriously, thank you so much. You have been busy as heck even during this call, but still have found the time to be so intelligent and thoughtful and kind with me. And I'm, I'm just very impressed and grateful that you had spent the time talking to me today. Uh, look, thanks so much, Grace. Um, yeah, I, I enjoy these conversations. I love a chat. Um, I, I my uh, interview technique is a bit all over the place, but so is so is the days. So you get used to it. Um, but yeah, no, look, thanks for taking the time and having me along, Grace. And uh, look, you wish you all the best as well. And you will always be welcome to come through the front doors and check it out. Oh, I will take you up on that. You enjoy your day, and you get to the you get to the people that need you. Thank you so much. No, not at all. Thank you so much for listening to Tall Poppy Talk. We'll see you next time. Feel free to check us out on socials, YouTube, and the website. Thanks for today's guest.